Hi, everybody. I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Kate Williams, the founder of Nodo. After being diagnosed as a celiac, Kate was struck by the lack of yummy baked goods on the market and launched Nodo to put the fun back into gluten-free. Her delicious donuts taste great and have been lovingly prepared with nothing but good intentions and the best ingredients. Kate is here today to share her small business journey. Hi, Kate. Thank you for joining me today on the show. So great to have you. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I'd like to start with the very beginning of your journey. Like a lot of founders, um, you started your business as a response to your own problem. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it was a, it was a um a big problem I was having in in my life when I was diagnosed with celiac. I was always a massive foodie, and I, I just love my food. And all of a sudden, overnight, I basically couldn't have all those foods that I enjoyed, and dining out just became really unpleasant for me because I was I wasn't choosing what I wanted or what I was craving it was more uh, what can I have and I was and there was very limited choices like 10 years ago so it sort of stripped the fun away from me so Nodo was a way of me basically just bringing the fun back into gluten-free food <laughs> and we all need a bit of fun so I know <laughs> <laughs> um, were you surprised by how quickly the business took off I was really excited by the concept, but I was very surprised that it wasn't only me having this issue. Like you said, I started it just because of my own experience, but I was very surprised when I launched at the markets how many people resonated so well with the brand and with the product. So it was a side hustle for you to begin with, yeah? Yes. And what were you doing before that? Marketing, that's right? Yeah, my background was in marketing. Did that come in handy when you were launching the business? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of fell into marketing too. Um, all my studies were in hospitality events management and I was going for an event manager role and sort of fell into the marketing assistant role and just absolutely fell in love with marketing and all the aspects that went along with it. And then I went on to study my Bachelor of Business Marketing, which really, really helped me when I was starting uh, Nodo. So if you're saying you really fell in love with marketing, but then you start this side hustle, what was the point where you went, oh, hang on a sec, I'm going to quit the day job and I'm going to go into business for myself full time. Since I was young, I always knew I was going to start my own business and studying business marketing was more of a platform for me to start my own business. So I already had that in mind. It was only a stepping stone for me. So all of the work experience and the studies that I did was just to help me when I did launch my own business. But was there a tipping point? Because it's great to have a side hustle, but because you've got that security of your full-time job with the income coming in, what was the point where you went, actually, I can make a go of this business and this is what I should be putting all my focus into? I think I was always searching for that thing like that. I was always coming up with all these ideas and I was like, oh, I've got this great idea. And I, I never, ever would go through with them. But when I came up with this concept, I I knew it, I just had this really gut instinct that it was the one. And I knew that if I didn't make a go of this, I was also at that age where I I think I was around, what, 30 32 so I was like I'm gonna have kids and once that journey starts 
Um, am I ever going to have the opportunity to start my business? So I, I knew the timing and the concept was right. And if I wasn't going to go ahead with this, then I never would. So that was the real driving force there, I think. And so you started at the markets, yeah? Yes. Was that a good kind of testing ground? Amazing. Yeah. The market research and the experience at the markets was invaluable. Yeah. And how did you get the word out about the brand from you start in the little market stall, then how do you get it out to the wider community? Yeah, it just really grew very organically. Um, Brisbane was such a good platform and market. Like everyone has just gotten right behind me from the outset. So I started at the markets and I got great exposure through the media. And then I got a lot of interest from cafes who wanted to stock my product. So then I started doing the markets and wholesale, which again allowed me to get the product out to different cafes and different suburbs around Brisbane. So that also helped, you know, spread spread the Noto brand around Brisbane. And so you still doing all this from home or have you pushed into a commercial kind of kitchen space by this time? Well, no, this was all done in it was certified kitchen, but it was in the back in the back of my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound, it was all completely certified. But I, when I was doing the markets and the wholesale business, that was all done, yeah, in my backyard. <laughs> so I can imagine a Friday night then. <laughs> my backyard commercial kitchen. <laughs> it sounds dodgy, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't sound. Everyone's got to start somewhere, yes. <laughs> So that must have been pretty hectic. Did you have an understanding partner at the time? I did, yes, yeah. I, um, I, I was busy and I was and like, you know, when you start a small business, you, you, you're doing everything yourself. So I would get up, um, I think we're starting like 2 a.m. I'd, oh. I'd get in, bake all the donuts because they had to be fresh. I'd bake um, as many donuts as I could. I actually, I did have some, some help. Um, we had some. I had some casual workers that would come in as well and help me. And then we would finish up at like six forty-five, and then I would get on the road and deliver them to all the cafes around um, Brisbane. Oh my God, that sounds grueling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is, is you've got to believe in what you do, and you've got to love it because it is it is relentless. Like yeah. And then when did you go? Hang on, um, maybe I should open my own cafe this this going to the markets every weekend and cooking in my backyard yeah. <laughs> it's got to stop well I think the tipping point for me was is you know it was a high-end product I put so much like love and so much into the product and for me I would I lost touch with it when I started wholesale so I would deliver the donuts and then there was no control or there was no satisfaction of getting to talk to the customers. So obviously we only we bake them fresh for the day and then that's, you know, and then that's it. Whereas um, it was sort of out of my control, I would sort of say, okay, there's a one-day shelf life on these products, but I can't really control that. Yeah. I can't control what climate or how they're being stored or how they're being served. Um yeah, they're out and, on the counter all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just, I, I hated that. I, I started to lose touch. And the thing that I enjoyed the most when I was at the markets is being able to bake the product and giving it directly to the customers and talking to them. And yeah, so I kind of lost touch. And then that's when I decided that I needed to take the control back and open up 
um, my own cafe. Yeah, so I could control the process from start to finish. <laughs> Not control freak yeah. at all. <laughs> I know. That comes across, yes, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for that first cafe, starting a cafe is a pretty expensive venture. Um, yes. You know, you've got all the fit out on top of everything else. And starting anything new, there's all that marketing. At least you had your marketing mouse to help with that. Yes, but, yeah. Um, did you, what route did you go? Did you go with a bank? Did you get investors? Did you look for like seed funding? What For our first cafe, we raised, um, we raised some money to help us do that. And then all of the growth from there has been through um, our own cash flow. Yeah. So did you have a good pitch? What was it? <laughs> yeah I sold well <laughs> I've always been very ambitious with the business and from the outset I just knew well I knew it had the potential to be a global brand I know we're not there yet but I was very ambitious with the direction and how the business could grow and we've been in operation for we're coming up to seven years and we've got five locations so I do believe in in steady growth again um I think if you grow yeah, too quickly, sometimes things can come unstuck. And obviously, I really want to, our brand is built on quality. So I really want to make sure that that doesn't drop when we, like through the, the growing process. And so that's great that you've been able to build the business through the cash flow. Have you had good financial advice to assist with that? Yeah, it was just, it was a gut instinct too, so that we're not sort of growing on a false economy. An opportunity came up in South Bank in 2019, and it was probably before we had predicted to open um, another site. So we actually did get a little bit of assistance with um, a small business equipment loan through Westpac. And that was just to sort of safety net us because some cafes hit the ground running, but some might take a little time. And South Bank was a new area for us. It would just sort of future proofed us. A bit of security, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, In case it didn't um, hit the ground running. But um, so that really helped us there. And did it hit the the ground running? It took a little while to build, but South Bank is such a great location for us. And it's definitely was a good move. I wouldn't say it hit the ground running, but it took a little bit of time to build in that area. But um, now it's one of our strongest stores. And you do pop-ups as well, don't you? We do, yes. We have um, some roaming pop-ups that we've got through the Westfields. We've got three that are around at the moment. And again, that's just a great way for us to get into some other locations and build the brand. What would your advice be to someone who's starting out to help help get that um, brand awareness? The brand awareness, yeah, I think. Put your marketing hat on for a sec. <laughs> yeah, I just think um, like nothing, like, you can do all the marketing in the world, but your product, like you have to really focus on your product and all of the aspects that come, like the, the, the customer experience from start to finish. Like we we do a lot of marketing through, you know, social media and all of these things. But I said, if your product, if your core of your business isn't right, you can do all the marketing in the world. And it's not going to help. So I really, we, we put a lot of focus on our customer service, on our product, on our, our, our in-house training to make sure that consistency um, is always there. So there's a big focus on there because then the word of mouth from that and people who try it is, is it means everything. And what about 
a bad review because no matter how great a product is, there's always someone that's going to snipe at you or be disgruntled about something. What's the best way to deal with those? Yeah. So when in, in when I first started, I couldn't cope. I couldn't cope with one bad review. And now I look at it so differently. I When someone comes with a bad review, um, I actually think that they care about our business and they're trying to tell us um, something. So I when I ever... Whenever I get a bad review, I take it on board and, I'll, and I'm like, okay, what do we need to do to, to change this? And I'm also, I'm, I'm just, I'm actually grateful for them to bring it to my attention. So I think that you've really got to use that bad feedback and, um, and, and say to yourself, how can I improve my business so that this doesn't happen again? So for anything that happens, um, I... I want to put in processes in-house to make sure that that doesn't happen to any other customer. Yes, I'm, I'm grateful for it because you can learn from it. And I think as well, if you handle a bad review the right way, like exactly how you're talking about, then that person also feels heard and then they can become a really great advocate for your brand as well. Because, oh, because I can't believe, yeah. Yeah. I've been able to, there's not a bad review that you cannot turn around. And I think the first thing is, is to respond to them straight away because then they know that you actually care and apologize. And, and there's always a way that you can turn a bad review around, I believe. You spoke a little before about, you know, wanting world domination. How's that going? (laughs) Good. Uh, I'm happy with where the business is at at the moment. Like I said, we've got the five locations and I, and I do have grand plans, but I think that it doesn't happen overnight. So I'm happy with the growth that we've had and it's, and it's been a, a steady, slow build. I think with the way that everything's going at the moment, our plans for the rest of the year would be just to be a bit conservative and just consolidate what we have. Obviously, there's a little bit of uncertainty around there and we the business does take a bit of a hit when the lockdowns occur. Yeah. Our plans for the rest of the year would be to be conservative, but I do have plans to grow into other states around Australia and then maybe one day <laughs> global domination. Okay. What's been the biggest challenge in scaling the business? I would say something that the biggest challenge, but I'm, I'm aware of it, is that um, as you grow, obviously there's it's harder to control processes um, and it's harder to control consistency across the board. But again, that's why I really believe in growing at a, at a manageable rate and once we open a new store, we will reassess and say, okay, what's failing here and how can we quickly fix it? Because our customers know our brand, they know our product. And I, I think that they're the first ones to realize if things start slipping. Um, so just really being conscious of that. So always have the customer at the heart of the business, no matter the size. Definitely. Like our customers are everything to us. That's the only reason why we've been able to, you know, open um, all of the, you know, open five locations. And what's your favourite donut? My favourite? I actually love the beetroot blackout. And it's so funny because sometimes people be turned off by the fact that it's got beetroot in it and some people love it. But it's just like this beautiful, rich chocolate sort of brownie donut. And you've expanded beyond donuts now. We have, yes. So we started with the donuts and coffee and shakes and then we started to introduce our brunch menu 
And obviously I started the business because of the gluten-free offering. Um, So I found it really hard to find, you know, breads and buns to put on the menu. So that's when we started doing that all in-house where we we create all of our own sourdoughs, our pumpkin breads, our buns, everything that's featured on the menu we make in-house. So I'm super proud of that. I was just going to say what's happened to that backyard kitchen. Oh, no longer. (laughs) (laughs) We agree that a long time ago. (laughs) You've, you've got a nice tree there and a hammock instead. and we've got a great team of qualified bakers yeah awesome thank you so much for sharing a bit of your journey oh. with me today it's been awesome chatting with you thank you so much speak to you again sometime soon yes. i hope to hear about your world yes, domination please i'd love to come back <laughs> thank you bye-bye okay bye-bye